like Norman Miller, me a weather-raised three daughters all by herself, with no help, and think about the struggle, and I find the strength of myself, these words melt in my mouth, they hot like the jail cell in the south, before my nigga core bailed me out, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by, just to get by, I'm doing die like best stars in the red sky, the window of the red eye, let the lead flowers, the G-Rap shit, living the lead Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Uh, m- good Monday morning. Uh, there's a lot to get o- lot to go over. Uh, we will be going over what occurred during the weekend. So we got uh, some stimulus talks to go over. Uh, we got some college basketball course to go over. Uh, a lot of stuff to go over there with the top 25. And of course, we have some conference tournaments to go over. Um, of course, we are getting to the last. Well, this was technically the last season, uh, the last week of the regular season. Now we are going to get into the postseason, starting off with the conference with more. Or the conference tournaments for the bigger conferences for the major conferences going into this week so uh, we're going to we are going to recap the last weekend of college basketball uh, as well as some uh, MLB news as well I've been telling y'all I've been saving it and, and and trying to work on it but now we got some a little bit of a preview for the MLB uh, season uh, we have some uh, spring training scores to go over as well and then finally today I will be going over my first installment of Martin Lawrence month of course we have a review uh that means it's going to be well today it's going to be what's the worst that can happen so uh chock full uh a day chock full of stuff uh to get into so let's go ahead and get into it of course with the big news uh yes uh there will be officially a third stimulus uh check uh the house decided to vote uh in favor of it of course uh 40 to 59 of course pro-democrat uh against you know anti um you know anti anti-stimulus payment Republicans. Uh, With that being said, though, um, Biden has really revealed himself uh, to be, you know, the, the great... Uh, the great settler in this whole situation, his whole campaign, him and uh, Kamala um, and certain Democrats as well, especially uh, in Georgia with their runoff race. They have been promising $2,000 stimulus, this $2,000 stimulus, that uh, we're going to help out the working man. We're going to help out the commoner that has yet to happen uh, again, starting off with with the uh, total on the uh, stimulus itself. I uh, went from $2,000. Now we're getting uh, just fourteen hundred. Um, again, that's just a sign of somebody who really isn't about his word. Um, and it almost seems like a very. Uh, it almost seems like a charade where this almost seems to always happen. Happens when it, when a Democrat not only is president, uh, but they end up controlling the House and the Senate as well. Uh, a, a issue that could have been pretty much, uh, uh, you know, pretty much, um, you know, handled. Uh, because of, you know, again, Democrats having the control of Congress and the Senate, uh, like let's say, for instance, in Obama's first term, the whole big thing he promised on his first campaign was universal health care. That was his biggest promise. Uh, first thing he does in there, he realizes he has control of the House and the Senate. He decides to make it a bipartisan bill, which, of course, doesn't work. Um same thing this time around with Biden. He decides, oh, we're going to make this bipartisan knowing goddamn well the Republicans didn't even want to give us stimulus payments to begin with. So um, you see a great settler here, and I don't like it. Uh, it's the guy that uh, says he can promise you this, and he's going to ladies, look out for this guy. Look out for a Joe. He tells you, I'm going to get you this, and I'm going to get you that. Trust me, because I've been there, done that. Okay, we're trying to get beyond that. I'm going to get you this. I'm going to get you that. You check in with him two weeks later. Oh man, um, I, I I got you. Wait another week, and then he from, promises to take you to some somewhere fancy. He ends up taking you to to goddamn Red Lobster or something. Don't do it. I've been there, done that. I'm maturing from that state. That's why I can highlight it now and call out Joe Ford. Don't be a settler. I'm single now, so I don't have to do that. I'm single now, so I can get my shit together, so I don't have to be that. And especially for me, not even in terms of relationship, but again. Just, just, just as a, just as a fair, you know, reminder to you, to you people, just to kind of see what you're looking for. The guys, this is a chick that, you know, 
she promised you all these different things, right? Oh, let's do this. You make all these different plans, but we're gonna go to do, we're gonna do this together. We're gonna we're gonna save and get a car together, and we're gonna get a spot together. And then six months later, she leaves you for some reason. You know, it's just like that. You know, you know, Biden is you know a cat. You know, he's a cat and all. You know, um, it's very unfortunate uh, because again, that was his campaign promise: two thousand bucks. I'm pretty sure the Democrats, you know, and his fan base ran with that. They did all that just to turn around and give us 1600. I'm not happy with it. I'm glad I didn't vote for him. Um, also, uh, there are going to be some requirements in, t in terms of who's getting the checks. So uh, any any single uh, single tax filer uh, making less than 80K uh, can't get one. Um, also, joint <clears throat> heads of household. You're making, I believe, it was less than one hundred and twelve thousand. You can't get it. Uh, same thing with a family. I believe you're make if you're making more than a hundred seventy-five dollars or something like that, seventy-five thousand dollars, something like that, uh, then you are cut off. Um, and that's really unfortunate because they still pay taxes too. They still gotta pay bills too. Matter of fact, their tax rate is higher because of where they are. The only people that's not paying taxes is the exorbitant wealthy, uh, like your Trumps and your Bezos. So I think everybody should have gotten the stimulus. I think everybody should have got some tax credits. I think that's bullshit, honestly. Again, settling as Joe, settling as Joe. Fellas, if you find yourself becoming a settling as Joe, uh, take your time and uh, become a single man. Get your shit together. Become a monk or do something constructive with yourself. Get your shit together. Say, okay, well, obviously I can't come through for people. Well, let me just take some time to come through for myself first. Bam, that's how you start. Um, but Joe, he's too far gone. He's a cat now. He's become a cat, okay? He, honestly, um, he's pretty much uh, shitted um, in his, I mean, in, turn, in my opinion, um, I don't believe none of the man, the man says anymore, okay? Um, but for what it's worth, I mean, we are getting something, yeah, um, great uh should have been the 2000 like you promised or otherwise you don't make that silly ass promise but again people want to get you to vote for them this is why i feel uh, especially this two-party system both of these parties are trash okay um and i'm going to again just like i was critical of trump i'm going to be critical of biden too so be ready uh camilla fans and and blue humpers and all that thumpers and all that yeah yeah come at me bro i mean i'm gonna sh i'm gonna get at them all because they're all both parties are full of shit. So we're going to get on them uh, Four years. Be ready. Okay, be ready. And if it offends you, um, hey, I don't care because this is the this is the truth. Uh, the man promised 2000 and he did not show up with his promise. And any again, if you are a man again, this is for my young men out there uh, who are coming up. Uh, you know, maybe just getting past high school or something or getting into college. They're young, 20 years old, barely pushing 20. I'm 30, but I'm learning right now. Don't be a man that does not stand up to your promises. That's, people are going to judge you, okay? And if people are going to judge you just for being a normal man, not, you know, standing up for your promises or, you know, coming through, believe me, you, we have all right in the world to judge our president, put him even on a bigger platform. He's he's not giving us he's not giving you the right um, the right image right now. He's giving you his an image of a settler and somebody who's not really gonna push himself hard enough to get what needs to be done accomplished. Sorry, uh, that's what I see here. Um, again, I it it sucks, uh, but again they reneged on the six hundred dollars a week. They made it three hundred dollars a week all because the Senate Republicans fucked them. Um, you guys control the Senate. You guys have the tiebreaker vote with Kamala Harris. How dare you just sit there and say, oh, we could just sit there and be bipartisan. We don't need to waste the time being bipartisan. It makes you look weak and it makes people feel that as though what you're doing is ineffective because that's not what you promised because we already know the Republicans aren't going for that. We knew that. So stop playing us, Joe. Stop playing the people, Joe. Young men, take example of what mr joe is doing don't be like him okay don't renege on your promises just like you don't grab the girls by your pussy and talk about it in the media like trump you don't renege on your promises either to your family to your woman to your children uh to your country see obviously again i hey y'all say what you want i'm not buying it now 
even more so of a reason to me <laughs> be disengaged. But I'm gonna come out. I'm 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 definitely being critical of this administration just as much as I was of Trump. So don't, yeah, yeah. Y'all be ready for that. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break. When I come back, I'll be talking some college basketball. Of course, we have some news to go over. Oh, uh, update on what's going on. At, uh, Sorry, Creighton. Uh, we are going to be talking some uh, regular season awards, at least the, uh, the finalists for it, for the Player of the Year award there. And then, of course, we'll get into some, uh, conf like I said, some conference uh, talk, either conference tournament, conference tournaments and conf regular season conference title winners. So uh, be prepared for that, too. I'll be back in a little bit, y'all. Take a flight, say all white No bag, just big dough He low key, he way low My shit pop like Crisco So the shot clip, that's drum roll My phone feels say fuck a hoe Stadium, I don't play with them Like true, where the fuck my ones go Clothes on my mind I fuck hoes all the time Point my eye at your hoe She gon' go, your whole mind I can't lie, she on my mind My dick leave and your hoe cry And it may seem like I don't lie But I do and I don't know all right y'all we back let's break down some college basketball um starting off with some news like i said we have an update going on at creighton of course uh, their head coach he has said some very out-of-pocket shit a couple weeks ago and it looks as though the university has decided to um suspend him for the rest of the year uh, I think they're going to fire him at some point as well. But as of now, he's been suspended from all team activities. Again, like I said, for his racially insensitive comments last week, uh, basically telling the kids or the, the players, don't leave the plantation. Uh, referring, basically referring to his uh, his program as a as a plantation, as a cotton field, pretty much. Um, this is a, a quote coming from Bruce Ramison, the athletic director over there at Creighton University. Uh, after our after our Creighton's men's after our Creighton men's basketball team returned to Omaha Friday, uh, uh, freshman Hendrickson and I engaged with other uh, senior leaders in dialogue and discussion regarding appropriate sanctions for the remarks made by head men's basketball coach Greg McDermott that were not in alignment with Creighton's commitment to racial equality, diversity, and respect. Now, for what it's worth, with that quote, they've come a long way because um, if you want to know a, a quick fact about Creighton, uh, this is where uh, Bob Gibson went uh, to college. A great, NF, uh, sorry, great uh, base, base pitcher, Hall of Fame pitcher. He is base. He is he is a great Hall of Famer in baseball because he was not allowed to play basketball. So they've come a long way. I'll say that at that school. Anyway, uh, currently the team is 17 and 7, uh, 13 and 6 in the Big East, and they are ranked number 14 in the nation. Uh, they're coming off a win last week as well. Uh, now, assistant coach Al Huss will be taking over head coaching duties. So, again, this is the environment. We are not, you know, again, uh, he was definitely wrong for what he said, uh, that being uh, McDermott. Uh, but I'm really glad that, uh, well, you know, I am glad that the, that the school stepped in and they handled it. Um, you know, they gave him his walking papers pretty much. And, uh, you know, there's a zero tolerance for it. I mean, it's, you know, back in the day, you know, a lot of things might have went. A lot of things might have been said that were probably even worse. So um, it's I think it's good that we are uh, getting into that now and, and trying to nip that in the butt because it. Um, you know, those type of comments, they will, they, I mean, I could see that really upsetting a team and really throwing off, you know, that dynamic of that team. You don't just say that to people, you know, again, um, I know if you ask him, you know, um, he, it might have been a slip of the words, a slip of the tongue. Uh, but again, um, uh, my personal opinion is, is that, um, it might've slipped you know, in the tongue, but it's in his subconscious because that's, you know, deep inside, that's who he is. And he can sit there and become a basketball coach. He can sit there and, and say all those things. But at the same time, he obviously likes the fact that he can control black youth and black, you know, individuals. So th that's obviously how he gets off. I, there's no other way. You, there's no other excuse for a comment like that. 
and uh, it's not tolerated. I know people are going to say, well, free speech, this free speech, free speech, my ass. OK, because there's literally things that we know that we can't say in a public space now um, at this point in time without getting into uh, some type of ramifications. So uh, let's keep it 100. Uh, what he said was out of pocket and he does not deserve to be a head coach at this moment in time. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we do have uh, some award finalists to talk about. Like I said, the Wooden Award, this is pretty much for the player of the year in college basketball. Uh, I am going to go through uh, the top three candidates right now. Uh, actually, top four candidates real quick. Starting off with Luca Garza, uh, the center out of Iowa. He currently leads the Big Ten in scoring with 23 points per game, almost 24 eight over eight rebounds and he's also leading the number five hot guys who've been uh the who spent the majority of the season in the in the top 10 actually of the rankings uh moving on we have Kay cunningham guard out of oklahoma state now he is just a freshman uh but he's actually a potential number one pick in this year's draft uh he's scoring about a actually above 19 uh, 19 points per game uh, gets about three assists a game and the Cowboys are headed to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2017 he's, and he's a big part of that uh, moving on we have guard Colin Gillespie out of uh, Villanova he's averaging 14 points per game four assists over four assists and he helped lead uh, Villanova to their conference title uh, but he will be out for the rest of the year with a knee injury uh, actually the only injured player to make it to the finalist uh, the finalist the list of finalists um, for EJ Little he's a forward coming out of Ohio State he was a recent addition to the finalist list he has not been um, on any of the previous watch lists for the award at any point this season but he has made the finalist uh, list so he's averaging uh, 15 uh, 15.9 points per game uh, over six rebounds he's also on a projected number two seed ohio state okay so uh moving on a couple other finalists include ayo dosunmu guard out of illinois uh guard for sorry sorry for charles basie coming out of western kentucky and ford Corey kispert out of gonzaga uh, moving on we do have some conference tournament well not conference tournament winners necessarily just talk about yet, but uh, regular season uh, conference title winners. Uh, Baylor, for one, they won the Big 12 earlier in the week. Uh, actually, earlier last week, uh, we also got Big Ten, uh, Big Ten championship, regular season championship. Uh, Michigan was able to pull that off, and I think they beat Michigan around Friday or Thursday, 69-50. Uh, however, they would lose to them over the weekend in the upset. Um, now, guard Franz, Wa uh, Franz Wagner would lead Michigan with 19 points in that game against Michigan State, the first game versus Michigan State in the week. Uh, he also went 4-6 from 3. Uh, Hunter Dickinson would put up 14 points and 10 rebounds. And uh, fouls would play a major factor uh, for both teams uh, in this one with 21 fouls in just the first half. So, again, a little bit sloppy. Uh, but again, it is a little bit chippy because it's a rivalry game. But like I said, uh, Michigan gets it done um, in the well in the first game of the week versus Michigan State. Uh, however, they do lose over the weekend. But that first win catapults them um, to the winner of the Big Ten title, of course, in the regular season. Uh, some other conference champs, like I said, Baylor, the Big 12. We got Villanova out of the Big East. Uh, also, Alabama. This is their first conference championship in 19 years. The first uh, major conference uh, school in a major conference to clinch their conference championship this season. Um, congratulations to them. Uh, we also got Oregon. Uh, they actually won the Pac-12. Yes, the Pac-12 title yesterday, uh, beating up on Oregon. I believe the final score in that game was 80 to 62. Um, and another big story here I want to get into was with Arizona. They are facing some very serious trouble because of some violations that they committed. Arizona, we and we did mention this before about how they were under under investigation, but it looks as though they are going to be charged. Uh, just the punishments have not been handed out yet. But uh, Arizona has been charged with, uh, were charged by the NCAA with five level one violations, including academic misconduct, improper recruiting, and a loan to a player, giving a loan to a player. Uh, the charges involve mostly two former resistance assistants, excuse me, Book Richardson and Mark Phelps. Uh, but head coach Sean Miller has also been implicated in not keeping proper oversight of the team and failing to comply with the NCAA's investigation. Uh, he'll definitely face some punishments as well. Um, level one 
uh, violations are the most serious. Uh, and in this case, this includes knowingly fabricating transcripts for two players, uh, also a, oh sorry, a false transcripts uh, for two players, and a process that, and this is a process that will cost up to $40,000. Uh, Book Richardson uh, was sent to prison for three months for uh, accepting $20,000 bribes to steer student, at, steer student athletes to a particular agency as well so uh there's some clear-cut violations of course you even got the head coach like i said being implicated in it just his uh lack of oversight lack of him checking the team and um and they will have to face some significant violations i don't know exactly what um all that will be exactly exactly what it will be but um it would definitely include a postseason ban uh, for many years, possibly maybe two or three. I mean, because they are a popular team, we'll see how the NCAA rules. A lot of times, what they do is they'll give the stiff penalties to an uh, up and coming team or a team that doesn't really have a history of being that great or a program, and they'll give lesser sentences to, to teams in bigger school, to, in bigger conferences like USC or, um, in this case, they might give you know somewhat less sentences to a school like Arizona. But we'll see. But it'll definitely include losing some scholarships, uh, losing some postseason activity uh you probably won't even have that many televised games either something like that they'll try to uh change that up for you as well or try to you know fuck that up for you as well but again arizona brought this on themselves uh they've been trying to run the pack 10 for so many years it's obvious that it's not their conference anymore um I, from what i saw from usc this season ucla this season also oregon winning the pack 12 i believe they wanted the, the uh, past two seasons uh so again I, arizona i don't know what to tell you guys uh but you guys gotta get your shit together um yeah i don't know what to tell you guys it's unfortunate but it'll be a while for you guys too uh but a couple of the top scores that i saw from over the weekend uh especially with the top 25 uh starting off with saturday uh there was an upset uh villanova well there was plenty of upsets over the weekend but one of them being villanova um Again, they come into this one 16 and 16 and five, uh, and they faced faced off against Providence, who was 13 and 12. Uh, but um, the final score in this one was 54 to 52 in favor of Providence. Now, this one uh, was a lower scoring game for both teams, and this one came down to a final tipping at the last second. And the funny thing about this one uh, was that uh, despite Providence winning the game by two, they were actually pretty much outscored. You know relatively easily in the second half 31 to 16 um and they just happened to just luck up on that last second you know put back basket uh another uh sorry uh, neither team shot particularly well from the outside uh 22 percent from three from nova and also 25 percent from providence uh villanova would actually have an advantage in rebounds and would also force six steals and 10 turnovers it just didn't uh translate into the last um the last second uh for villanova in that game they were led by jermaine samuels he would have uh 21 points eight uh eight rebounds and also for jeremiah robinson earl 11 points from him and 13 rebounds for providence uh they were led by guard david duke and uh anson and nick watson they would both have 20 points uh duke would have three assists and seven rebounds with totals uh watson would have four rebounds and Ford, uh, Jacob Horter for Providence would have 10 points and 13 rebounds. Uh, moving on, we do have some conference tournament action. Um, oh, but before I get to that, I uh, will talk about the Big Ten matchup between um, Ohio State and oh, sorry, Ohio State and Illinois. Number four versus number seven, of course, on Saturday. Um, Illinois gets the best of Ohio State in this one. 73 to 68 was the final score. Uh, Illinois moved to 20 and six. And I will say this. Um, even though Illinois has six losses compared to Michigan's, I believe they just have three. I think Illinois, just with who they've beaten, they're already a, a battle-tested team, in my opinion. I think they've even beaten Michigan uh, as well. So, um, for Illinois in that game, they were led by guards Andre Cubello, who's been on the rise uh, so far in the last maybe four or five games of the season. 19 points from him off the bench. Uh, guard Ayo Donsunmu, also, again, like I've mentioned him before, wooden award finalist. He had, had 19 points as well. Six assists from Corbello, also uh, five rebounds. Uh, Donsunmu will have three assists and four rebounds. And guys, be 
be mature about this, but Kofi Cockburn would have 12 points and four rebounds. Uh, for Ohio State, EJ Little, of course, another uh, Wooden Award finalist. Uh, 19 points from him, four rebounds. Uh, for Justice Suing uh, would have um, 15 points and eight rebounds. And guard Dwayne Washington would have 15 points, six rebounds, and five assists. Uh, pretty much 51% of shooting from Illinois. Uh, they will also out rebound uh, sorry Ohio State. So uh, pretty good game all around from them. Um, I think you know they are definitely the the next best thing come out of the Big Ten in my opinion, next to Michigan. Um, in my opinion, I think they might even go a little bit deeper than Michigan in the tournament. Just just by kind of what I what I see from it. Maybe I'm crazy for that. Uh, but let's move on to Sunday. Uh, we do have some top 25 action to go through real quick. Uh, Houston gets the best of Memphis in this one, 67 to 64. Uh, we got a win from Iowa, of course, doing it big on Luka Garza. Luka Garza's final night in a Hawkeye jersey. I believe they had his jersey retired as well. Uh, 77 to 73 was the final score in the favor in favor of Iowa over numbers uh, number 25 Wisconsin for Wisconsin they were led by forward Micah Potter who had 23 points he would also have two rebounds uh, guard Brad Davidson would have 14 points four assists and five rebounds of course for Iowa Luca Garza uh, just so uh, multifaceted in different ways uh, 21 points two assists from him also 16 rebounds uh, definitely one of the best college basketball players I've seen come in the the past five or six years uh really getting a lot of hype i hear about him all the time but i've actually seen the man play he's uh he's a really he i mean he's a really efficient big man i don't i don't, I can't i haven't always seen his range uh but within the paint he's a beast and he gets rebounds so i mean i think he can really translate at the next level i'm not too sure about his uh his stroke um uh, yeah pause i'm not too sure about his shot placement and, <laughs> and his ability to take shots uh and that will be questioned at the next level, I think. Uh, but in terms of him scoring in general, he can score. He can definitely score and he can get rebounds. That's what you need to do as a big man. So, uh, Luca Garza, he should be number one on a lot of people's boards. I don't see why he wouldn't be. I think he's definitely the man right now, especially with Colin Gillespie going down. Um, Kay Cunningham, he is a freshman. He's scoring around 19. I, I believe he's, uh, in terms of Garza, he's probably one of the highest um in terms of scoring, he probably scores uh, scores the most points out of anybody probably on anybody's board right now. I think. Like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I'll take that. Um, but also, uh, I was was helped out by guard Jordan Bohannon. 16 points from him, 8 rebounds and 6, uh, sorry, 8 assists and 6 rebounds and 4. Keegan Murray, 13 points and 6 rebounds from him. Uh, moving on, we go into the Big 12. Baylor uh, just solidifying their hold over the Big 12. They get another win, uh, this time over number 13, Texas Tech. 88 to 73 was the final score for the number three Baylor Bears. Uh, of course, they are now at 21 and 1. Um, Texas Tech is 17 and 9. Oh, and for Wisconsin and Iowa, Wisconsin is 16 and 1, and Iowa is 21 and 7. Sorry, 20 and 7, respectively. Uh, for Texas Tech, they were led by guard Kyler Edwards. He would have 18 points, four assists, and also eight rebounds. Uh, guards Kevin McCullough and Terrence Shannon Jr. would have 11 points to add to that as well. Guard Macy Oteague would have uh, 35 points and three rebounds, and guard Davian Mitchell would have 17 points and eight assists, as well as three rebounds and guard Jared Butler would have 18 points four assists and five rebounds uh, like I said Michigan State would get the best of Michigan yesterday uh, 70 to uh, 70 to 64 was the final score against the number two Wolverines and uh, number 15 Texas gets it done against uh, another one of their in-state rivals Texas Christian University aka T TCU uh, 76 to 64 all right, y'all, let's move on to the conference tournaments. Um, we have uh, a few. We had a few yesterday. Uh, let's just get into it. Uh, they are going to be wrapping up, and I'll explain to you a little bit more about what to expect this week uh, in terms of that. But let's let's get into what we had yesterday. Uh, in the Colonial Ath Athletic Association, uh, we had uh, the 5th-seed Delaware taking out the 4th-seed Hofstra, 83-75. Uh, the 6th-seed Drexler, uh, Drexel took out the third seed Charleston 80 to 75. We got the eight seed 
Elon getting the upset over the first seed, James Madison 72 to 71. And finally, we got the number seven seed, uh, William and William, sorry, William and Mary out there in Virginia getting blown out by the number two seed, Northeastern 63 to 47. In the Big South, the Big South Championship, uh, the Big South Conference Championship, we had the number one seed, Winthrop, getting it done against the three seed, Campbell 80 to 53. Uh, Winthrop wins, uh, wins the tournament at a, at a record of 23 and 1. Campbell uh, finishes things off at 17 and 10. For Campbell, they were led by guard Jordan Whitfield. He would have 18 points, and guard Ricky uh, Clemens would have 10 points for the, uh, the Camels out there in Campbell. Yes, the, they call it the Campbell Fighting Camels. Yes, say that three times fast, or two times fast, four times fast. I don't care. Winthrop, they were led by DJ Burns, 22 points. Three rebounds from him and guard Kyle Zunick, 13 points and three rebounds. Moving on to the Atlantic Sun Championship, the first seed Liberty, uh, they got the win over the fifth seed North Alabama, 79 to 75 was the final score here. Liberty stands at 20 and five, 23 and five on the year. Uh, uh, North Alabama finishes things at 13 and 11. For North Alabama, they were led by Ford Mervin James, 16 points, 8 rebounds. Guard C.J. Brimwood at 13 points and 2 assists, as well as 2 rebounds. Ford Petty Youngblood would have 14 points and 6 rebounds, as well as 4 steals. For Liberty, uh, they were led by guard Darius McGee. He would have 21 points and 4 steals, as well as 3 rebounds. Ford Kyle Road would have 13 points and 8 rebounds. And, and Ford's Blake Preston and Keon McDowell would have 10 points each. In the Missouri Valley Championship, Loyola, sorry, Loyola, let me say that one more time, Loyola for practice. Again, I got to practice that name. Of Illinois, Yoyola of Illinois gets it done against a two-seed Drake. No, not the rapper. 75 to 60, 65 was the final, was, was the final score. Uh, Drake is 25 and 4, and Yoyola is 24 and 4. For Drake, they were led by Tremel Murphy. 20 points from him, 2 assists and 5 rebounds. And guard DJ Wilkins, he would have 20 points and 4 assists uh, for Yoloya. Oh, boy. They were led by Cameron Kurtwig. 20 points from him, 4 assists and 7 rebounds. Guard Brandon Morris would have 20 points and 4 assists. And guard Keith Clements would have 13 points, 2 assists, and 2 rebounds. And for Yoyola, this is, uh, they are now an automatic bid for the NCAA tournament. So, meaning when it's time to, you know, Selection Sunday comes around, they just have a spot. They don't have to worry about nothing. They're not an at-large bid. They don't have to worry about nothing. They're not in the bubble. Um, they're in. So, good job for them. And I'm going to take another quick break, y'all. And when I come back, we'll be breaking down some of the MLB. Of course, we are uh, in the midst of spring training, which means the regular season is upon us. Opening day is coming. All right, y'all. I'm going to take another quick break. I'll be right back. Alright y'all, I'm back, and uh, like I said before, I'm going to, uh, we're going to preview uh, the start of the MLB season, uh, we're going to just give you guys some news, I'm going to give you guys some updates on what's going on, of course we'll be going over string training uh, when I can get to it, uh, but today we're going to start off with uh, just some uh, major uh, acquisitions in the form of free agency, in the form of trades, and then as we go along, I'll be breaking down each team. Like I said, I'll be giving you updates from spring training, you know, injuries, all that, um, and then scores from spring training as well. So uh, today, let's go ahead and just get into it. Like I said, uh, we have some roster uh, roster alignments that we need to talk about, or some roster changes that we need to talk about. But uh, we're gonna start off, start off with the big one of the offseason. Uh, center fielder George Springer signs a five-year, six-year, uh, sorry, five-year, uh, sorry, six-year deal worth $150 million with the Toronto Blue Jays, worth two, uh, $25 million a year. He's been in the majors uh, in Houston uh, 
for about, I believe, uh, since 2014 or 2012, uh, with career totals of t a 270 average, uh, 361 on base percentage, and a uh, 804 OPS, along with 175 home runs and 458 RBIs. Uh, last season, a 31 year old would have hitting splits of 275, 359, and 549, along with that 899 OPS. So, still a very, um, very good hitter. Uh, however, his wins above replacement was the lowest of his career at 1.9. I think a lot of that has to do with just COVID and just difficulties with schedule, but because he still had decent numbers with 14 home runs and 32 RBI. So a little bit down, uh, there probably was some injuries to talk about as well. Uh, he also is a three-time All-Star. So, you know, again, uh, Toronto gets a three-time All-Star. They get a really decent hitter who hits four decent power, uh, who gets on base pretty well, um, and overall is a good offensive and defensive player as well. And Houston, of course, we've already highlighted all their problems. Um, they're going to definitely take a step back at some point. I think, you know, starting with this season. I mean, if you thought last season was bad, this season might, might be a little bit worse for them. Um, you got uh, JT Real Muto. Uh, he resigns with the Phillies. Uh, the catcher, uh, five years, 115 million. Last season, uh, he was hitting at two, a 268 average, uh, on base 349, uh, also with a slugging percentage of 491 and an OPS of 840. Um, in terms of his uh, home runs, he had 11 last year and 32 RBI. So again, um, if you're looking at some of these numbers, they seem a little bit down. Of course, we got to remember COVID, you know, pretty much killed half the season. They pretty much played a half a season. Um, in 2019, this is where his numbers would really um, show. Uh, he had a 275 average, 328 on base, uh, also 493 slugging, and 821 um, OPS. So the OPS was a little bit lower than what it was last season. But again, um, there's a lot of ways he was an even better hitter in 2019 with 28 home runs and also 83 RBIs. Uh, he was an all-MLB team, all second team last season. He was the first team all-MLB in 2019. There you go. He's also a two-time All-Star. Uh, he also is a two-time, actually a Golden Glove winner and a two-time Silver Slugger Award winner. So he can hit the ball. Again, and that's somebody who can defend really well. And the Phillies um, with Bryce Harper, they got JT Real Muto. They are getting a solid core here. I'm not too sure what they have in terms of pitching off the top of my head right now, but they seem to be developing a core here. I like it. They, they were pretty good in the East last season, kind of, you know, kind of. Uh, Trevor Bauer, another big move. Uh, he signs a three-year deal worth $105 million to sign with the Dodgers. His career totals is 141.75 in terms of win-loss. He's rocking a 390 ERA. Uh, he does have a whip, which means, you know, walks and hits per nine innings. 1.2.65, not too bad. 1.2 is not bad. Only one walk or a hit, not bad at all. Uh, he has a, over a 1,000 strikeouts, actually uh, 1,200 strikeouts, not bad at all. Uh, last season, he went 9-5 in terms of win and loss. He had four saves on top of that. He did have an ERA of 1.73 because he, was only, he wasn't even giving up a hit. Uh, he, his whip was like 0, 0 0.7, not even one yet. Um, he is a 2020 Cy Young winner as well. He had 100 strikeouts. So, again, uh, the Dodgers looking to defend that championship. I actually like that move a lot. Um, another major signing, well, re-signing, would be DJ LeMahieu, uh, the second baseman, decides to stay put with the Yankees, signing a six-year, $90 million deal. Um, you also got... Um, the uh, sorry Atlanta, uh, they they retain Marcelo Zuna. He signs a four-year deal worth sixty million dollars. And then some other notable signings include Liam Hendricks, uh, right? Uh, sorry, relief pitcher, signing a three-year deal, uh, leaving Oakland to sign with Chicago, uh, the White Sox. That is three years, fifty-four million. You also got uh, catcher Ryan McCann signing a four-year uh, deal to go to New York to the Mets, uh, four-year, forty point six million. And finally, the most recent. Uh, signing was center fielder Jackie Bradley signs a two-year $24 million deal with the Brewers uh, last Thursday uh, a couple major trades to talk about we got the A's in action uh, they trade their designated hitter Chris Davis for uh, shortstop Elvis Andrews I don't have a problem with this one especially since we uh, lost our you know lost Marcus Simeon to the Blue Jays um, 
Also, they do swap some minor leaguers, uh, some catchers. Uh, I believe the A's, they give up, or they trade uh, catcher Jonah Heim and also right-handed pitcher uh, Dana Acker for center Aramis Garcia. For Andrews, he's coming into his 30 his age 32 year olds his age 32 season uh with a 76 ops plus which is about average um and he's asking well he has a two 28 million dollar price tag for over two seasons uh davis uh he's kind of falling out of offense he's kind of falling out of it offensively as well uh with a 294 uh opb last year and also an 83 ops so again we're getting some i would say they're well, they're definitely getting up there in terms of age. Um, they're slipping a little bit offensively, but I think for what the roles is and what they'll be doing and for each team, I think that might help them. I mean, I think for Davis, he's still going to be a designated hitter. He's still going to be, you know, asked to hit. I think that can come back. I think it, it, maybe his contact comes back this season. It all depends. I mean, and for Andrews, uh, again, we get a competent um uh, Shortstop who can play defense. His his offense might not be what it once was, but he wasn't like a power hitter anyways, Elvis Andrews. But again, he'll be able to get on base in my opinion. He'll be able to fit he'll be able to, you know, play defensive defensive you know, play defense at the position. So I don't think it's a bad trade for either team. Uh, the o Orioles would also trade. Uh, they would make a trade as well. They would trade uh, picture Alice Cobb to the Angels for a second baseman, Jamani Jones. We also have a three-team uh, three deal here between the Red Sox, the Royals, and the Mets. Uh, the, the Reds trade outfielder uh, Adam, sorry, the Red Sox trade outfielder, outfielder Adam Benatendi to the Royals for outfielder Franchi Cordero and uh, some other players that will be determined later. And minor league, minor league pitcher Josh Winkowski for the Mets. Uh, they, they, in exchange, will get a minor, minor league outfielder from Kansas City, Khalil Lee. Uh, and just a little bit about both all these players involved, both Cordero and Benatendi have... Um, have been dealing with injuries and also slipping offensively uh, as of late, um, making uh, pretty much. And this is their last year of their respective contracts as well. So um, I guess teams were saying, "Look, we'll trade them. We'll see what we can get for them." Instead of having to resign them, dealing with you know all their injuries, and of course they slipped offensively. So I guess the teams decide the best the best move would be to trade both of them. Okay, um, which makes sense. And the Mets, they do get a solid rotational piece with Lee, who's had some time in AAA. He's had some time in, you know, the show. Uh, so he'll, at some point this season, they're trying, to, well, at some point this season, he'll with he'll be within the Mets starting lineup in terms of their their uh, their hitting rotation. So that looks good for them as well. Um, as far as what else we got going on, um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Francisco Lindor. That's right. The Indians. Uh, they make a trade. Uh, they trade their shortstop Francisco Lindor for pitcher Carlos Carrasco. Uh, to the Mets for infielders Ahmed Rosario and also Andreas Jimenez, as well as a minor league pitcher Josh Wolf and uh, outfielder Isaiah Green. So a lot of players involved in this trade as well. Uh, Francisco Lindor is a four-time All-Star at 27 years old with three straight uh, 30 home run seasons from 2017 to 2019. He's also a two-time Golden Glove winner and he's also third um, in, in wins above replacement in the league since 2015. Carrasco, uh, he went at 12 starts last year with an ERA of two, uh, two point nine one uh cleveland does get two up and coming starters with jimenez and rosario uh rosario would have 15 home runs in 2019 as well as an ops of 101 uh ops plus rating of 101 uh josh josh wolf and isaiah green were top prospects for the mets as well so uh indians uh, they get some some great potential players. They do get a solid pitcher in Carrasco as well, and it looks as the as though the Mets they do get an All Star hitter, and that helps with what they're trying to do as well. So a good trade for these guys as well. Um, we also got Nolan Arenado. He's going to go to St. Louis. He was traded there uh, for five players, including pitcher uh, Austin Gomber and also infielder or maybe Gomber and infielder uh, Mateo Gill. Uh, for Arenado, he's a five-time All-Star, eight-time Golden Glove, multiple-time MVP candidate. And I think um, 
there was just there was just an impasse there at Colorado. I don't think it was a a, a fact of them trying to pay him or pay him well or anything like that. But I don't think they were in a position to win um, the way in in the way in which he wanted. And he just got tired of that. You know, at some point in time, you want to win. I don't really fault to ma- fault the man. Um, as far as I know, he vehemently pushed this trade. On top of that. Um, but as far as uh, updates on the league in terms of COVID, uh, many states like Texas are opening up completely and are operating at full capacity. Other states such as California will start with a limited number of fans that they will allow to all these sporting events, uh, including baseball, of course. So all my A's fans, uh, Angels fans, Padres fans, at least for opening day, you can get ready. Uh, those teams will be hosting a game and you can go if you'd like to go. Of course, it will be limited uh, fans. So, of course, figure out in advance what you might want to do. Um, of course, so it's it's on uh, for the most part. If you're in Texas, of course, y'all can all go. But again, like in California, certain states like that, it will be limited capacity. So what I will tell you is if you are planning to go to a game probably this season, which is to kind of just be doing your research and figure out, um, you know, what the, capa- the number is. Because I don't have the number here. Uh, for the capacity, um, yeah, but um, you can go, and as I mean, as long as you you know you pick the right day, you'll be all right. Um, but uh, let's talk about some of the most recent news. Um, we're going to talk about yes, uh, some of the stuff that I uh, found out from yesterday. But speaking of COVID, it looks as though motherfuckers just don't. Some motherfuckers just don't give a fuck about it. Um, we got Jose Ramirez and Framil Reyes of the Indians. Uh, the third base, uh, the third baseman, and the the DH have both been isolated from the rest of the team um, after violating COVID protocols. They both went to have dinner, or well, they both went to go get a haircut after a game, and they went to have dinner at an inside, well, inside at a restaurant. And they were also joined up with Pedro Strope of the Cubs. I, they might even play each other or something like that. They might be friends and. I don't. I, I can't remember how Pedro ended up hooking up with them, but he was with them. They ate together. They all got haircuts together, and um, they're all been isolated from their teams. I don't know if they did this purposely. I mean, of course they did it purposely, but I don't know what their reasoning was. I guess they just really needed a haircut. But my thing is, um, I'm not too sure what state they're in, but I think a haircut should have been okay. Now I get saying. I mean, I st- I get eating inside at a restaurant. That might be of an issue, but I thought barbers were open now. At least that's where they are in Cali, and Cali's been purple for a long time, and they opened up our barbers a while back. I recently got a haircut, and I didn't have to quarantine or nothing, so I don't really get that. I guess it's just a state-by-state thing, Um, but unfortunately, for both teams, they're missing out on, on, you know, players that can be playing for them right now, so um, that does suck. I don't know... Um, really what to make of that. So, um, as of now, uh, like I said, Jose Ramirez, third baseman um, for the Indians, also DH for the for the Indians, Fran Mil Reyes, as well as Pedro Strope, pitcher for the Cubs, they will be out. All right, y'all, I'm going to take another break, and when I come back, of course, I got a, a special edition of the Palm Feather Review for you guys. It is Martin Lawrence Month, and uh, I'm going to set it all off with a movie um, that I like, that's, that I low-key have learned to like and love by him. But like I said, uh, upon further review, what's the worst that can happen? Coming up next. for another edition of Upon Further Review. And of course, we are in Martin Lawrence month. And um, I wanted to cover all, you know, a good amount of his movies and, you know, definitely the TV show. And anything I, you know, felt was pertinent to cover by the man. And we might get into some deeper stuff as well. Because he means a lot to me. Um, I grew up with him and I'm pretty sure a lot of people in my age group did. Uh, you know, at least with his movies and his show. And he influenced me a lot um, in terms of comedy and and in terms of just um, you know, just who he is, um, I definitely grew up with 
you know, with his comedy, and it's definitely shaped me in a lot of different ways. So, I wanted to start off with this movie here. Um, I saw this movie recently, What's the Worst That Can Happen? And I know it's not one of his best uh, rated films, uh, but I wanted to talk about it because I liked it, and it made me feel good when I watched it. It was a good, funny movie to me, and it didn't all work in every way, in every facet, but I'm going to talk about why I liked it so much. And that's what I wanted to kind of focus on in this month in general. Uh, in general, not all his, you know, highly acclaimed movies but i want to talk about some of his off-beaten films that people might have given him a hard time for whether it be uh rotten tomato tomatoes or those raiders or you know just in general with the critics and i want to talk about those movies because a lot of those movies hit well with me as opposed to you know i guess what the media says or the other critics say so uh let's get on into it uh 2001 what's the worst that could happen uh, of course uh Martin Martin is in this one, and he stars a high-end thief, uh, Kevin Caffrey, who uh, pretty much steals from the well-to-dos in um, his area. And uh, he goes up against Max Fairbanks, played by Danny DeVito. Let's break down a little bit of a synopsis real quick. Um, this is based on a novel uh, by the same name, written by Donald E. Westlake. Um, like I said, Kevin... He is a uh, he's a thief. He he steals pretty much from rich rich people and more wealthy people. Um, he uh, ends up going to an auction one day. He meets up with this girl uh, Amber, played by Carmen Jogo, and they seem to hit it off. Uh, Kevin also learns that she has to sell one of her father's paintings in order to pay a you know for, to pay the the bill at her hotel. Um, now, Kevin, in order to impress her, because he likes her, uh, he eventually will steal the painting back. And uh, Amber is, of course, shocked to find out all this and his line of work. But because of his honesty, I feel she decides to ride with it. And uh, she ends up giving him his father's lucky ring. And uh, the, the movie will then cut to Max and um, him going through his uh, business uh, issues uh, with his financial uh, advisor, his lawyer. Um Walter Greenbaum, played by Richard Schiff, and uh, basically at this point in time, he's actually going bankrupt, and um, he also meet up with his wife, Letitia, uh, she's played by, um, see, Nora Dunn, so again, you got some 90s faces in here with Richard Schiff, you got Frank Miller showing up in a little bit later, I'll get to him in just a second, um, now, you know, like I said, you're introduced to Max and his wife, again, his lawyer. And then you come back to Kevin meeting up with his mentor, Uncle Jack, played by Bernie Mac, R.I.P., along with Amber. And his buddy, um, Buddy uh, Berger, played by John Leguizamo. And uh, Berger, he pretty much uh, helps Kevin out in his heist uh, every now and again. And, he's, you know, they're partners in crime. And they uh, do some more, get some more intel on Max. And they find out who Max is. And uh, they decide that, you know, to hit up Max and hit up his, one of his uh, beach houses. Uh, he sh uh, according to the intel, um, Max has been ordered to stay away from that property. So they say, okay, it's easy pickings. Nobody should be there. We should really get in and get out. Um, we'll go, you know, that same night. Now, fortunately for uh, for them, Max, uh, he does not, you know, he has other plans. He's ignored the legal order to stay away from the, the crib. And he shows up anyway with his young mistress, Tracy Kimberly, who's a, you could call her up and coming reported, but she, I mean, that's what she wants to be. But, you know, Max, he's trying to get, you know, he's just trying to get some trim. Um, he ends up sniffing out Kevin. Uh, Burger gets away, but um, he does get Kevin and he does get a hold of the authorities. Now, on Kevin's way out, uh, he spots, well, Max spots the ring on his finger and decides that he'll he'll take it. Um, he just, he just convinces the police, hey, he's trying to make out of here with my ring, even though that's not his ring. Of course, this is the ring that Amber gave to Kevin. But again, he already got caught in this house. He figured, you know, he'll put uh, add insult to injury, I guess. Now, um, Kevin is able to break free from the police from police custody. Uh, and he is able to get back to Max's house. He doesn't find Max, but he ends up uh, taking some more valuables in one of his sports cars. Now, Kevin still pursues Max. Uh, he ends up getting in contact with one of his other uh, partners in crime, uh, Shelly Nix, who is a computer hacker, and has him track down Max's location by hacking it to his email. Now, Max, uh, he's pretty much um, under the belief that his ring is lucky, so uh, he ends up going to one of his assistants. Uh, he ends up, and she's a psychic. Her name is Gloria. Uh, Gloria? Oh, Gloria. Yeah, there we go. And uh, in this one... Uh, 
you know, she, like I said, she's a psychic. Oh, she's played by Glenn he uh, Healy as well. But she's a she's a psychic, and she pretty much uh, reads the tarot cards and stuff like that. So she comes across a king with daggers. Um, now, like I said, Max, this is this is a lucky ring. This is his life about to change. But obviously, with the drawing of that tarot card, that's not what's gonna happen. But Gloria, she doesn't say anything right away. She keeps it from him. Um, she figures she can, you know, talk him and reason with him. Um, but hey, that doesn't work because Max ends up uh, being uh, forced by a judge to sell one of, another one of his properties at a public auction for continuously assaulting him. Uh, basically, he thought he had uh, paid him off, but he didn't, and he ends up getting in more trouble. He had to sell another property, and as you can see, you know, he's his his whole situation is starting to unravel, even though he thinks he's, you know pretty much faces some good luck now kevin and his crew uh find out some more about max uh and they find out that he's having a cocktail party and that he will be at his beach house one last night uh kevin and burger decide to hit up another one of his houses uh and this one is a really funny ass situation because um they get in there they make their move but as soon as max leaves i think he they they try to time it as soon as max leaves but he set up the, set up the alarm and you know it's you know how he used to do it in the 90s in the early 2000s when they used to have those uh those either like a spy movie or a movie where there's this thief and you got those those laser fucking alarm systems that just you know set off and if you touch this laser light the whole see so they cut up like that him and john um uh, Martin and John kind of just go back and forth just being hella silly about it you know it, I thought it was funny um, but uh, eventually Max will find out about, about this as well and he's had, he's had enough of this and uh, he uh, he then calls a detective um, Alex Tardio and he's played by um, oh what's his name oh uh, William Fitchner another, another low key just actor that I like he just does so many different roles, so many different. Um, yeah, he's 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 a different actor, especially in this one. He kind of has like this metrosexual type, you know, vibe, and you're like, um, is he is he? Not to say that it matters, but you're like, is he gay? Is he not? And if he's gay, why does Glory? Why is Gloria all on his dick? Like she can't tell. Does she like that? Does it come off like that to her? I don't know. But I thought he was still funny in the movie. He had his little. You know, he had his little scar stone. He had his little vibe going. I thought he was just funny. Um, uh, now, for Max, he also calls in his head of security, Earl Redburn, played by Frank Miller. Again, another fixture of those late 90s, early 2000s movies. Always in, like, like a head security type of role or, like, a military type of role, especially in the real funny movies that he's in. Now, Kevin eventually will find out that Max was going to D.C. for a Senate hearing and has an apartment out there. Kevin and Berger try to rob the apartment and find out that uh, Max is also planning to bribe the Senate. Now, Kevin will replace the bribe money with letters directed at the senators, and Max and Earl will return to the apartment to apprehend um, to apprehend, apprehend the two guys, and a scuffle will occur uh, for the ring. Now, Kevin thinks he got the ring, but only to realize it's a fake. It's actually uh, Max's wedding ring. So it's not a fake, but it's just a different ring. Now, Amber, at this point, Amber has had enough. Um, he's been to this guy's property at least two different times to rob him. He's been all the way to Washington, D.C. And she's just had enough of this. Like, she's like, I don't even care about the ring like that. And, um, but Kevin, he just doesn't see it like that. And so he ends up, uh, he ends up calling Max at the Senate hearing and he's fucking with him. And Max, he goes ballistic. He starts cussing out and cussing him out and going bad on TV. And everybody thinks that. You know, they're talk. He's talking to the senators. The senators, they go bad on him. So everything goes bad for Max at the Senate committee. Now, like I said, at this point, Amber and Lutetia. Oh, and right before this, uh, Max's lawyer, because Max, you know, he's been an asshole pretty much everybody. Not only just Kevin, but also to his wife at certain times. Um, at certain times, he'll even, he'll even snap at, you know, the head of security. But definitely, he takes a lot of his, uh, in this movie, he takes a lot of his anger out on his lawyer. So, you know, his lawyer is just like, you know what, I quit. He he, 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 he walks out the limo, he ends up walking on the highway. He said, I had enough of this. He, he basically leaves the man high and dry. And at this point, Amber and Leticia, that being Max's wife, have had enough of what they're doing, period. Both of them. Uh, they're, you know, of course... 
each woman has their, you know, you know, their version of the story based on, you know, what their guy is going through, but they both had it. And, um, and they, and he leave these guys alone for now. Now, Kevin plots one more major plan to take out Max at his house auction. Amber and Leticia will finally meet up face to face, but they will make a plan of their own. Uh, Gloria finally tells Max about his fate, of course, with the king with the daggers, and Max brushes her off. And this says, oh, she finally says, you know what, fuck it, I've been there for you, you've been rejecting me. And for a long time, she's been on his on his dick for a long time. She's been trying to be his mistress or whatever. I think she knows that he's married, but maybe just to just have something with him, she just wanted something. He gave her no play, and finally she says, okay, I'm going to go to Detective Tardio with all the company records and secrets. So, damn. Now, at the action, uh, Lutetia and Max uh, sends Max to a masseuse. Kevin will set up his plan and put that into motion with Berger and Jack in disguise and Shelly uh, pretty much hacking the security system in order for them to get to loot. Now, Max, uh, you know, he's he finds out, you know, everything starts to, you know, happen and Max goes after Kevin. Now, uh, when he is now, Max tries to go after Kevin. There's a fire and all this um Frank, I'm sorry, not Frank, but Earl, the security, the head of security sets off a flashbang, something like that. There's an explosion, there's a fire. And um, so Max goes out to Kevin in the midst of this fire and this smoke. But he's dragged out by the by, uh, by a firefighter. And the firefighter, though, is actually Kevin in disguise, and he takes the ring. Now, Kevin tries to make some run for it, and he goes to one of Max's boats and tries to get away. But here comes big-ass Max. Big, imagine big-ass Danny DeVito jumping on top of a boat and making it. Now they're fighting on the right, fighting for the ring, and it leads to the the sinking of the boat. And this is where they find out the ring this whole time, at least at this point, has been fake, with an encryption description of "grow up." And at this point, we realize that Lutetia and Amber had set them up. How did they do this? Well, uh, who do you think was the masseuse that gave? Who do you think gave Max a massage? Amber. As she did that, she slipped away with the ring, gave him a fake ring. Had him and Kevin going after the fake one, uh, making themselves look hella dumb. But we get to the end of everything, and you know they're in the water. They realize that hey, they've gone too far, and they seem to make a friendship. Um, Max puts in a good word for Kevin and says, "Look, he wasn't trying to steal nothing from me. He just happened to be in the water trying to save my life." Um, and later on, at the end of the movie, uh, Martin Lawrence, despite taking taking his watch near the end of it uh he also helps max get out of his senate situation so they kind of help each other out in in different ways um but overall i thought it was a, a decent movie um i thought martin was as funny as he can be um devito uh he he worked well with martin um they had a pretty good chemistry um they went at each other really good, like antagonists would, old versus young, and, and it really was good. Uh, you know, rich, powerful business guy versus you know this this you know high high level, high thinking, highly capable you know thief. And um, I think in terms of how they wrote their characters, I thought those were uh, they really worked. Again, how the t characters interacted with each other, I liked Kevin's relationship uh, with Amber. I liked how Max's relationship with his wife Lutetia kind of developed and went and it, it went as you know it went the course of you know how you know when 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 max got deeper and deeper into his obsession with the ring his wife was like nah man you got to get out of that so you get to see that you kind of and you got to get to see both of them kind of realize how far that they've gone i really think that was the best part of the movie for me to kind of see two men kind of sit there and realize oh man we've been acting like dummies the whole time and kind of make up for it and, and shake shake hands and, and be cool with each other. I thought this was a decent movie. I know a lot of people are going to, you know, rank on it and, and give it a bad score and, and there's pretty negative to say about it and, and a lot of movies from Martin Lawrence in this time period. Uh, but I'm going to give it like a 7 out of 10 or a 6 out of 10. I mean, I, I really thought it was a decent movie. Um, again, there was things that probably don't all make sense about like, okay, Kevin, you know, escaping from the cops and not having no type of issues kind of following him throughout the rest of the movie or whatever. Um, there were some things that were unrealistic like him, uh, him and Lake Wazama when they dress up as the, uh, the middle Eastern guys to get into Max's apartment. I thought that was a little bit crazy. Um, but I mean, what do you expect from Martin Lawrence and John Lake Wazamo in a scene like that? I mean, of course they're going to do something ridiculous. So, 
I thought it was a decent movie, y'all, and uh, I thought it was a great way to start off Martin Lawrence Month. And um, if I were, if, I mean, would I suggest it? Yes, I think it's a really solid movie. You'll be entertained, um, and it's free on YouTube. I I do it. I do it right away. Well, not even right away. When you want to, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but anyways, y'all, I'm gonna call it a wrap for today. Um, if you are looking to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Never Out of Bounds. That's a page uh, for the show. Uh, you can also um, uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at ljamal791 e l j a m a h seven ninety one. Once again, that is ljamal791 e l j a m a h seven ninety one. As far as what else I got going on um, in terms of Martin Lawrence Month. Uh, I think I'm going to get into Blue Streak, another one of my favorite movies. Uh, after that, I will, tr I will definitely get into the show. Um, as far as what else I got for the podcast, uh, of course, we're getting deeper into this MLB preview. I want to set you guys up for the MLB season baseball. I um, also want to uh, get through college basketball. This is the this is when we have our uh, conference championships for the major conferences. So the Pac-12 should start this week. The Big Ten is starting this week. Uh, the Big t uh, the Big 12 conference championship is starting this week. Uh, we are also seeing the end or the championship rounds of the smaller conferences. So uh, as the, the week goes, we will get through that. Uh, we will get through uh, any updates in terms of the NFL, of course, and news in general. So uh, again, guys, thank you for taking your time out to listen. This is your man, L. Jamal, signing off for now. Peace out, one love, and I'll highlight you guys later. Have a good day.